0: Hello, and welcome to this podcast by the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation. I'm Janet Mountain, the Executive Director of the Foundation. Our mission is to transform the lives of children living in urban poverty. Since our founding in Austin, Texas in 1999, we've expanded our work across the United States and to India and South Africa. Here's what we've learned along the way. In a space where so many people are working to find new ways to tackle big, entrenched challenges, we must invest in people. Partners, leaders, people we call conscious disruptors, who help us address specific parts of multifaceted issues. These conscious disruptors have inspired us to create our own principles to guide our work, the Dell Social Impact Principles. Our commitment to investing in people is at the center of those principles. Today, Dr. Aliyah Husseini, director of our health portfolio, will be talking about an initiative called Go Austin, Vamos Austin, also known as GAVA. GAVA highlights the invest in people principle because it is led by people who live and breathe the challenges we aim to overcome across Austin to improve the community's health. They are change makers working to make their communities a better place. Let's get right to it.
1: I'm excited to be here talking about GAVA. And it really comes from the work that we were doing here at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, trying to affect childhood obesity. And as we had done that work primarily through programming, what we learned is that it was very difficult to uh, try to promote healthy eating and physical activity within families and communities when we weren't addressing the very core issues of whether or not access to those opportunities existed. We also felt that by approaching the problem in sort of a piecemeal fashion, say with an organization that would be working on healthy eating or physical activity separately, no matter how great that organization was or how well uh, the folks were in tune with the people they were working with, it's just that childhood obesity is a multifactorial problem and could not be addressed by single solutions alone. So I think that when we started Go Austin, Vamos Austin, there were three things that we were really thinking about. One was we really wanted to connect community to what worked. So we didn't want folks to be spending their time and energy on interventions that we knew would not be effective. The second thing is we really wanted to take a resident-focused approach and not just residents sort of signing off on plans that we had for their community, but rather uh, encouraging residents to tell us what to do, what would work, where they were, what had been tried, why it hadn't worked already. And I think the third thing was, we wanted to be able to provide those residents with the best information possible. Uh, We didn't want to evaluate the work at the end of the intervention. We wanted to be constantly able to course correct and move to the greatest likelihood of success. So those are really the three key um, focus areas of GAVA. And that's the work that we've been doing over the past five years in Dove Springs, also known as 78744, the zip code, Uh, and then in the neighborhood of 78745. So I'm really excited to have a couple of the folks who have been really instrumental to that work here with us today Carmen Yanez Pulido, who is the Executive Director of GAVA, and also Francis Acuna, who is both a Dove Springs resident um, and also leading efforts in 78745. So I'll let you guys take a second to introduce yourselves and your role in this work.
2: Thank you so much, Aliyah. I'm Carmen Yanez Pulido, and I'm the Executive Director of Go Austin, Vamos Austin, which is the initiative described in Dove Springs and 78745.
3: And I'm Francis Acuna, I'm a resident of Dove Springs, and a geo-team organizer for 78745 in Gava.
1: I'm really privileged to have your insights today, Carmen. The theme of today's conversation is really investing in people, and one of the core tenets of all of our work at the Foundation is to create a work that is sustainable and that carries on over time. And in the past, I've had lots of questions come to us about how it is that investing in individual people and communities is actually sustainable. Um, Particularly in these communities in Austin, there's incredible mobility, um, folks moving in and out of the neighborhoods in which they're working. Tell us a little bit about why you think investing in people can be sustainable, is sustainable, and in fact, potentially a key to sustainability.
2: I think at the heart of sustainability for these um communities initiatives and really at the heart of of success is relationship. You have to start with relationships. It's what everything else runs on. So there is this organizing principle. Um, the IAF talks about this and GAVA adheres to it strongly of people before program. We've seen a lot of places where there can be program fatigue. You get all these great programs going. And before you know it, you have very few people to run them or to coordinate everything. And it gets very difficult to maintain the base that sustains these programs. And if you have uh, programmatic organizations with funding so- streams that want to see a certain number of participants, then they may get impatient and, and leave. And, um, and so what we've seen is that if you really invest in the people, if you build the relationships, and that's relationships not only with residents and organizations, but also between residents, you build teams, you build um, connections with institutions, then you can access programming in different ways. A good example of this is the support we've given to the Police Activities League in expanding their soccer program. It's provided for hundreds of children in the two zip codes this free or extremely low-cost soccer programming, and it is run on relationships. It is absolutely run on this fabric that's been established between the families who participate, the volunteer coaches, many of whom are parents, and the police officer who runs it all who's just a very relational person, and we've been able to invest in her and invest in these teams, they've been able to build the programming, they've been able to access other funds and other resources. And that's one of dozens of examples I could give where we start with the team, we start with the leaders, we start with the relationships, because that really is the engine for all the rest of the work. That's how we get the how, it's how we understand the why, and um, it's how we know what what it is that we need to leverage.
1: You all are addressing such a wide range of issues, and I think taking such a comprehensive approach that's really led by the residents' focus and objectives and goals and needs. Um, you have some tremendous metrics that you've been able to accomplish, and more than um, 1,500 residents engaged with your initiative, multiple institutions partnering with you all, and um, more than a million dollars brought to the community in terms of infrastructure for parks and lighting that's making the community safer um, and correlated with more folks being able to use the parks. Those are some pretty fantastic numbers that you've been able to accumulate. Maybe talk for a moment about some of the biggest challenges that GAVA has faced and any lessons learned that you might want to share with other folks who are undertaking an endeavor.
2: Oftentimes we're challenged as nonprofit agencies or educational institutions who have a certain programmatic charge. And, you know, you talked about evidence-based strategies having some kind of regimen. And yet when we talk about community organizing, that is a practice in active listening and coming into a community, not saying that you have the solution, but that you are willing to listen and learn what the solution might be. And that means in some cases that you have to completely rewrite your program or you have to find a different programmatic partner because the ones you're working with aren't necessarily in a position to make those changes. And so it's a kind of a how bad do you want it sort of thing. How bad do you want to customize this so that residents can take the lead in being the architects of change, and how will you fund that, and how will you make that success, successful and, and sustainable? I think that's kind of the chicken and egg kind of thing with these collaborative, um, deep impact projects. I think another challenge is just... Um, learning to work together as multiple organizations, um, learning to uh, partner in true ways, far beyond just having conversations in working groups, but actually learning how we're going to layer our approaches as nonprofits with each other and work with the same residents. We've come up with lots of protocols over the years to help streamline that work. Um, but, you know, you can love an organization and want to partner together and figuring out the how in this really new work can be difficult at times. So that, that comes with some challenges. Um, And also even among residents, not all residents agree with each other on what the solutions are. And sometimes we have personalities. I would love for, you know, Frances to share some of her wisdom in that both as a neighbor um, and a parent, and um, also as an organizer. Sometimes we come across uh, personalities that don't get along. And that's when our practice as organizers is so important in terms of knowing public versus private relationships, understanding what we're bringing people together around, common self-interests, and and making room for all of those adventures along the way.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's so important. And I think that some of the institutional organizing that we have done, we have learned so much from. We have longtime partners of the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation who were part of this work. Uh, And I think uh, in spirit really aligned with the work that we were doing, but had a mission that wasn't always aligned with the mission of GAVA that the residents had set forth. And being able to navigate those um, differences between their mission and our communal mission and to figure out how they could still be uh, good partners and yet be good stewards of their own mission has been a challenge at times and really requires a lot of what you talked about, Carmen, which is you know, leaning back into those relationships, um, and knowing that we're all in this for the good of the work and sort of trying to figure out how to navigate those tricky situations. So maybe, uh, tell me for a moment the, what keeps you motivated in this work? This is incredibly challenging work. There are many moving pieces happening at once. You have responsibilities to individual residents, to institutions, you know, to your funders and other partners. Um, and it's not always easy. So tell us a little bit about how you stay motivated and continue to push yourself in this work. And then maybe what you see as being on the horizon for GAVA going forward
2: now that it's been five years in our in our inaugural community of Dove Springs. It's amazing that it's been five years. <laughs> and yet it, uh, it seems like a long time and it seems like a flash. Um, and I really... Uh, I am so honored to be a part of this work for so many reasons. It does get challenging and there are a million moving pieces, it seems like. Uh, There are at least three things I'd point to that keep me really motivated in the work. One is zooming in. I try to maintain some kind of routine of having one-on-one conversations with residents or immediate stakeholders in the community um, at least a few times a week um, because that human connection with the people who are the leaders of our work keeps me grounded but it also um it keeps us from feeling isolated i mean this really is their coalition and they are the ones who see the difference every day so when i hear from principals that you know breakfast in the classroom is really making a true difference in the behavior among their their students that they're seeing the changes in attendance um when i am uh, when I get a call from an, a resident who's overjoyed because they finally completed the sidewalk across from their house and it 's been you know months in some cases years uh, that 's a motivator sometimes this stuff takes a while it 's delayed gratification, but when we see that and we zoom out that 's the the other piece I would say zooming out and actually seeing all of the collective wins that these two zip codes have accomplished that all of the resident leaders and organizational partners have accomplished in the last five years um, definitely keeps me motivated. And lastly, I think the possibility of the future. Um, You know, it's sometimes it's moving so fast, I can really only stay in the present. And yet, when we look ahead, um, there are opportunities in front of us to potentially replicate our work in other neighborhoods in Austin. GAVA should be all over where these issues are are presenting challenges to healthy living. And what I really heard from residents is that they don't want to be in competition for resources with other under-resourced neighborhoods, as is so often the case. I don't think that's intentional, but it's always the way things play out um, without any kind of intervention.
1: One of the things we tried to be really intentional about was um, helping the residents to design an intervention or partnering with the residents to design an intervention that was standardized in some ways so that we knew that there were certain approaches, tools, measures that would actually be replicable in other places. And yet we tried to maintain enough flexibility in our approach that the work could really be tailored to where, you know, what was relevant about that place and the set of circumstances in that place. Maybe tell us, Carmen, a little bit about how, the, how you see the work actually being transportable. Um, a lot of the criticism around place-based work is that it is so specific to finding fabulous leaders like Francis um, or to uh, the particular place in which you are able to create um, resonance within the community for the work that's being done. So maybe talk about how you think that this work is able to be transported if you think that it is.
2: I think what we've developed is a set of principles that inform our approach. And those principles, if you can be true to them, those things like the iron rule that you don't do for others what they can do for themselves, but that you uh, bevel that edge, I like to say, so that you are meeting people where they are. You're learning people's stories, you're actively listening and being committed to tailoring your approach as much as possible and being flexible where you can be flexible and being transparent with people up front with residents on what you can and can't work on. There are some issues that we can't work on in Gava, and we know they are real pressures that people deal with. And our duty is to explain what we can work with people on, where our interests do align, Um, to refer people to other organizational partners who can address those issues if we know them, and to also say, you know, we think if we give you these tools, building these geographic teams, strengthening your neighborhood association, that may help you address some of these other issues that you're dealing with. That's the people before program kind of thing. And so the toolbox is specific enough that it informs us in best practices, but even those evidence-based strategies are pretty broad. You want kids to get 135 minutes of physical activity and education in their school week. How that happens, there are a million solutions. You know, there are a million different ways to answer that question. And you can have a very genuine listening conversation with stakeholders in a community to find the roadmap to that particular solution. So I think that's that's really where it lies is the, the flexibility um, by staying true to the fact that you're going to listen to stakeholders and you're going to work with what you've got. And that's how we were able to scale from Dove Springs to 78745, which are two really different zip codes, and um, which are not homogenous, neither is, but particularly 78745 has pockets of communities that look a lot like parts of Dove Springs, and parts that look very different from Dove Springs. Um, And you had neighborhoods that were really organized but were English speaking only and completely cut off from an entire parent population that was Spanish speaking right next to them. And we've worked with those folks to bridge those language gaps and bring people into positions of leadership that reflect the diversity of their neighborhood. And everyone has been a willing and engaged participant because they share those common goals that we've identified. Um, So I think you know when you get the principles down, It's easier to be flexible about the approach and that is what's going to allow us to work in in different neighborhoods because we're not coming in with a set prescription, but we are coming in with a set approach and some principles that we adhere to and and will stay true to throughout the process.
1: Well, I think that we are going to have to get to Francis (laughs) because uh, so much of this work really, Francis, is centered on community residents and their ability to Motivate community um, to work together towards some of these goals that we've tried to accomplish many times before, but have had a lot of difficulty succeeding in without the folks who are actually most impacted by the work. So, on to Francis and Francis. Tell us a little bit about why you why you care about this work and spend so much of your time focused on this work. Maybe a bit about your family and why it was important to you and your family that you participate in GAVA.
3: Uh, well, I've been a resident for 15 years. I got involved because of my kids. They, um, they're all boys, <laughs> so they need to play. They need space. They, they want to get a ball in the baseball bat. So, um, How many children
1: do you have, Francis?
3: I have three, and now I have two grandkids also. So the family is growing, so it's more reasons to get involved. But I have um, a son that uh, he was diagnosed with ADHD, so you can imagine all the part that I need for him. And then he was diagnosed with, um, with cancer. So I got driven to get more involved because he needs more activities, because he, need, he needs to be more active. Well, not only him, but you know, all of my kids and all the children in Dove Springs, and uh, so they could be healthier. And in order for, for them to do that, we have to have, you know, safe routes to schools. The walkability needs to be safe. Like the sidewalks are too close to the cars. We don't have uh, a median. So, um, you know, my kids are very important. And I think that's mainly what drives me. So uh, when I started advocating or when I started getting involved, it, it was... Um, sort of like magical because you just start meeting people and getting involved in school with your kids. And that's what I started with the schools because in school, my kids were, um, they were not necessarily being uh, addressed with their issues. And um, I quit my job so I could do that. So when I I quit my job, I started getting into... um, Different classes, different um, organizations like GAVA, and all others that, you know, they were just asking for for uh, community involvement. I started getting very involved in, in addressing, encouraging residents, and um, it was it was awesome. I would just tell them, "Let's go, let's do this, we can do it," and um, we started uh, working in the parks with GAVA. The first uh, grant that we got was for, it was for the parks, the rec center. I remember going to different areas on the west side so I could take them pictures of the, how good the west side had it. And um, I remember that poster that you shared. Yes. Of
1: what parks look like on the west side of town and mm-hmm. what parks look like in your side of town. Right. You shared that with the parks and recreation department to show them the differences in infrastructures that existed and why that was making it difficult for families in Dove Springs to actually use their parks and be physically active.
3: Right. And a lot of those ideas came from the kids and listening to them and what they wanted it, what they wanted to see at the rec center, what they wanted to see uh, so they could get more active in the community. And so um, that got me very excited. So we started just getting more involved. So talk a little bit about what you mentioned with regard to
1: engaging other folks to partner with you because you already mentioned some of the challenges that we saw in Dove Springs with regard to safety and infrastructure um, and the challenges that really existed in the environment. One of the assets that we saw in Dove Springs Was really the incredible sense of community that existed. And the fact that when we went to the city to meet folks or were having conversations with organizations, uh, they had very recently spoken with you folks, (laughs) folks who who were living in Dove Springs, who seemed to have a real resident agenda and a sense of uh, community. And I don't know if I ever shared this with you, Francis, but one of the things that we really saw as an asset and one of the reasons why we really wanted to partner with Dev Springs is because you all had that tremendous and very difficult to generate sense of community and community agenda and community leadership. Do you feel sort of what is the cause of that sense of community leadership? And is it those relationships that you draw on when you're trying to engage other folks to become Connected to this work and to trust that their time and effort and opinion will be, you know, respected and taken seriously? Well, um,
3: it was challenging, but as soon as you start talking about, you know, our needs, everything that we didn't have, we couldn't go to the park, we couldn't uh, let our kids walk outside because of the crime, because of, um, different issues that, that were facing us. It was just um, getting everybody together and talking about what they wanted to do about it. You know, do we still want to keep waiting or do we want to take advantage of people actually taking looking at us? Because nobody was paying attention to Dove Springs. So when we started, um, when the community started, getting more agitated and wanting to do something about it, it was when which just took advantage of that anger, of that anguish about, you know, all that, that drive us to do something about.
1: And tell us a little bit about your growth journey through this time, because you started off um, organizing with GAVA, and even from the very beginning, we're a very powerful and influential voice, but... Do you feel that your leadership capacity has changed over your time with GAVA and now you're actually an organizer in 78745 working with GAVA um, and with other residents on the ground? Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and how you feel
3: um, that that has sort of progressed over the course of your involvement with GAVA. Well, I'm still learning how to be an organizer because I still have that leadership. I want to do everything. But um, it's a whole different thing. It just drives me to be more involved whenever you can see a smile on people's faces, the hope that you see in their faces that something is going to change for the better, you know, that their kids are going to be able to play soccer or to go to the park or to cross the street safe. And um, that is very uh, encouraging. And um, it just makes me very happy.
1: Tell us about the change um, that you are most proud of, that you are a part
3: of, or instrumental in in working with GAVA. Working with GAVA and understand understanding everything that impacts the community. I don't know. I just get so amazed and and I'm proud because I know I can make. I don't make the change, the people make the changes. But I have something to do with that in supplying the tools and the training and, you know, so they could advocate for themselves and and get that empowerment that they already have. And do you feel, are you able to see a way in which things have changed for
1: your family or the community as a result of some of the changes that have happened through GAVA? Have you noticed any differences in the neighborhoods where GAVA works?
3: Oh, definitely. Everywhere I go, I see new sidewalks. Actually, yesterday I went to a new neighborhood. They had brand new sidewalks. And I was like, oh, my God, look at what we're doing. So it's exciting when you get to go through a, a neighborhood and, and you see something new, and, um, which is a neighborhood that nobody paid attention to before. And um, I saw kids playing along the, the street and it just makes you proud because now I feel like I'm part of Cava. So I have a piece of that.
1: Have your kids ever been able to see you organize or
3: speak out on behalf of them in the community? Oh, they. Uh, whenever they talk to their friends, they, they always tell them, if you want a definition of, of advocacy look at my mom. That makes me very proud because they can see everything that I'm doing. And um, a lot of times they help me pass flyers. They knock on doors. And it's very exciting to see them do that because I know that, you know, they'll catch something from that and do that as adults. I'm proud to be, you know, their parent. And Francis, I know that one of the things we've
1: been really focused on is how we maintain fidelity to the neighborhoods where we started this work, Um, even as we think about moving on to other neighborhoods that might actually need similar approaches and a similar set of strategies, albeit implemented in a different way. So maybe tell us what you hope Dove Springs will look like for for your kids and your family in the future as a result of some of the work that GAVA will continue to undertake in South Austin?
3: Well, that's very, it's very important that, uh, you know, my community keeps being involved and hopefully my kids would take over, but I still live there, so, you know, I'm going to be there as a leader. I do see that a lot of the, the leaders uh, for Dove Springs they're still very much involved, and they still that have that encouragement and that they have the ganas to keep going and to keep trying to ch- make changes in, in the community because that's where they live, and that's where their kids are growing up. So um, no matter where I go, that will be my community, and, and I'm trying to make a very good community. So one thing that
1: we've heard is that sometimes it can feel like the ability to change anything is very far away or that the decisions or the power does not rest with the individual who may be seeing things in the community that they would like to change. So what would you tell other community residents, mothers like yourself, who want to make sure that the community environment that their kids grow up in is as safe and supportive um, as it can possibly be? how can they get started or be
3: engaged in a way that's meaningful i would say uh, to the residents the mothers the pa- the fathers just to start getting involved uh, if they don't know of any place to start off with they can start with your school with your kid's school talking to the parent support specialist getting involved in PTA just speak your your opinions you know your minds whenever something is it's bothering you in the community. Just mention it to whoever listens and never give up. And that's one of the things that a lot of times we tend to do. If they, somebody didn't, an, didn't answer us the first time, we give up. I believe not giving up can get you to so many possibilities. Yeah, I think that is the main thing. Thank you so much, Francis, and thank you to Carmen as well. It has been our
1: absolute privilege to learn from and to be inspired by this work um, and to be your partners on this journey. So thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you again for listening today. At the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, social impact work is not about having all the answers. Instead, it's about engaging, working, and correcting, all in pursuit of a better future. To learn more about the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, check out msdf.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at msdf foundation, or find us on Facebook. Until next time.